0: Our fourth beatitude is Matthew chapter 5 from verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Uh, Righteousness. Uh, Today we don't really use that word, righteousness, unless it's prefixed by the word self. Uh, We're familiar with self-righteousness, and so we tend to have a pretty negative view of the word righteousness. Uh, But while self-righteousness is ugly and ungodly, true righteousness is incredibly attractive. It's something that we, when we truly see it, we hunger and thirst for it. Uh, In the Bible, there, there are kind of three angles on what righteousness is. In the Bible, righteousness is the very goodness of God, His bright, shining, blazing purity, holiness, radiance. Righteousness is therefore the goodness of God. It's also the blessed life in action. It's what it looks like to live the good life. And also, righteousness is kind of the world set to rights, true justice that reigns. So, the goodness of God, the blessed life in action, the world set to rights, when we see true righteousness, it is incredibly attractive, but it's also incredibly elusive The first mention of righteousness in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 15. We uh, spent a couple of days on that chapter a few months ago. And there we saw how Abraham was taken outside for some stargazing by the word of the Lord. Abraham is reassured of the promise of the seed and he trusts in this appearing law, this word of the Lord. Genesis 15 verse 6, Abraham believed the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness righteousness. So Abraham is declared righteous for simply trusting the Lord Christ. This is the foundation for everything else that the Bible teaches about righteousness. Righteousness is first something that God has that we don't and that we must receive from him. That's what makes Abraham the father of our faith. He is the one who simply is hungry and is filled by the righteousness of Christ. And so in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is just reiterating this teaching, and he's using this analogy drawn from eating. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they will be filled. It doesn't speak of those who have righteousness or those who act righteously. Not here. Christ's illustration speaks of a lack of righteousness, a lack that we feel very keenly. Think of how these beatitudes have been building in Matthew chapter 5. First, we have been poor in spirit, and then we mourn over our losses and our sins. And then we feel ourselves not to be strong, but to be meek. So then now, we are hungering and thirsting, feeling our needs very, very keenly. But here is the promise. Just like Abraham with the word of the Lord, we simply receive God's righteousness. And it comes to us just like a beggar asking for food. We are filled. This filling is not an earning. It's not a payment. It's not a reward. The blessed person is needy through and through. This filling does not come because we have something to offer. It's because we have nothing. Notice how this righteousness comes to us from outside ourselves. Jesus doesn't speak of a seed of righteousness that he plants in us and then we need to water it. He doesn't speak of a spark of righteousness that we need to fan into flames. No, we are simply famished and then filled by Christ. Now, does this perhaps seem a little bit abstract, perhaps? Is it a little bit impersonal? As though righteousness is just like, a don't know, like internet banking, and we get get credited with this stuff called righteousness. Or or like we're in a restaurant, and righteousness is just a food to be eaten. Um, Well, Jesus is not teaching us about some spiritual stuff called righteousness. He's speaking of something very personal, actually. How personal? Well, read on to verse 10. Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Okay? Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. But then in the very next verse, he says, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you. Do you see at the end of the verse? Because of me. Do you see the parallel? Verse 10, we're persecuted because of righteousness. Verse 11, we're persecuted because of Jesus. And it's the same thing. You see, righteousness is equivalent to Jesus himself. Jesus is righteousness. All throughout the Bible, one of the the great uh, names for Jesus, perhaps uh, if you think of uh, Jeremiah 23 or Jeremiah 33, he is the Lord, our righteousness. And so righteousness is not basically like money that gets zapped into an account or like food that you eat. Uh, When we're being told those illustrations, it's basically just highlighting how bankrupted we are, how famished we are. But most truly, what the righteousness of God is, is Jesus. He is the goodness of God. He is the blessed life in action. He is the setting of the world to rights. Righteousness is not fundamentally a state of affairs. He's a person. So to enter into righteousness and for righteousness to enter into us, it's not really about possessing a moral quality. It's about possessing and being possessed by the Lord, our righteousness. The Christian is simply the person who comes to the end of themselves. They say there is no goodness, no blessedness, no justice in me. Instead, we crave Christ. And here's the promise today. As certain as sunrise, Here is the promise to be laid hold of if you are hungering and thirsting today. Do you hunger and thirst for true goodness, for the blessed life, for the world to be set to rights? Most fundamentally, do you want Christ? Well, here's the promise. If you are famished, you will be filled.